Hey, hey, and welcome to the Ritz Report. Today is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I am Alex Ritz, your esteemed host, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for joining me today. You can uh, reach out to me via email, send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com, Ritz at RitzReport.com, or check me on the socials on Twitter or the gram, Ritz Report, and I'm on Getter at Alex Ritz. So 20th of January, folks, 20th of January, what has happened? Well, yesterday, as you may have heard, was Joe Biden's press conference. He does very few of these, so when he does do them... (laughs) Everybody really stands up and pays attention. And I don't know whether you had the time to actually watch some of this press conference, but... You were literally too stupid to insult. It was bad. (laughs) It was so bad. We had stumbling, bumbling, fumbling Biden up there, just tripping over himself verbally, getting out there, telling people he wanted to do push-ups. It was was a horror show. Uh, It's been pretty much panned throughout the media. We had some uh, people in the administration try to jump into response mode, clean up in aisle Biden, where he made a disaster. And uh, I don't know that they all got the memo on how to treat the response. So we're going to look at some of what he said in regard to the Ukraine and look at some of the stuff that was said in response to things that he said in regard to the Ukraine and the, the voting bill that he's been trying to push through the Senate. Now, as you may have heard, the voting bill and the filibuster initiatives in the Senate are dead. They went down in flames last night. He spent a lot of the time yesterday during the press conference actually railing on the Republicans for not <laughs> for not supporting his voting bill. Meanwhile, Mr. President, you are aware uh, that you hold your party holds the House, the Senate and the White House. You do understand that, right? You have all three. Um, So if there was popular support for the ideas that you're pushing forward, I would think that your party would be on board with you. So if you can't even get your own folks to vote with you, I seriously don't think that it is the fault of the Republicans. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, today is Joe Biden's first year in office. Yay, Joe. Yay. One year. We made it through one year. I personally think it's going to get worse from here on out because cognitively we're going nowhere but down. But one year in office. So we're going to take a quick look back at what Joey has accomplished in his first year. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the World Economic Forum. There is some creepy dudes over there. <laughs> if you don't know, the World Economic Forum, uh, their yearly meeting in Davos is going on this week. And some of the stuff that's coming out of there is just creepy. These people have like plans on what they intend to do with the world uh, it's bizarre, bizarre. So we'll listen to some of the clips from that. And then we're going to talk COVID because how could we not talk COVID? COVID is always a, uh, topic of discussion here because it is our, uh, it is our world war two. It is our moment in the sun for this generation to stand up and fight against the forces of evil that are sweeping the world. And they are forces of evil sleeping the world. But first let's talk about Biden's press conference yesterday. One of the things that's getting a lot of attention is the fact that he mentioned that he essentially gave Putin a green light to do what he wanted to do. It's like, hey there, Vlad, if you want to go into Ukraine and do your thing, go ahead and do it. (laughs) He didn't exactly say it in so many words, but he did say this. Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion. So let me ask you, if here in the United States we had a government, be it China or some other other, um, 
government around the world that wanted to do harm to the United States. And they just did a minor incursion. Let's just say they took over Florida and uh, Georgia and the Carolinas, right? Just minor. I mean, it's only a couple of states compared to all of them. How would we feel about that? <laughs> so you can imagine as soon as Biden said this, what was the response from the Ukraine? Like, dude, really? Like you're hanging us out to dry here? You're hanging us out to dry? Like this, this is like, you almost can't imagine the level of stupidity. But, and I was, say, I was saying, I was tweeting this yesterday during the, uh, as I was watching this press conference, I was live tweeting. You can tell that Biden, the way that he acts, he thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room when, when actually he's the dumbest by far. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy <laughs> sense of humor, and you smell. <laughs> Right on the money, share. Right on the money for Joey B. So he does think he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's the dumbest. He is the dumbest by far. Let's listen to the rest of this clip. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine, and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy. God, can you believe this guy's president? Can, I mean, if we just take a step back, like put party aside, forget if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent, doesn't matter. Can you believe this guy is president? It's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this, this guy is a sub mediocrity, like it's hard to express and he's the president of the United States. Like Democrats, what did you do to us? What did you do to the country? You saddled us with this inept buffoon who should be sitting on a beach somewhere looking at the seagulls. And he's the president of the United States. Following that fantastic answer that he gave, essentially selling Ukraine out to Russia, giving Vlad the green light, one of the other reporters in the room from the New York Times, David Sanger, followed up. Uh, with an additional question on Ukraine. And here's part of Biden's rambling, bumbling, fumbling answer. I think that he is dealing with what I believe he thinks is the most tragic thing that's happened to Mother Russia in that the Berlin Wall came down, the empire has been lost, the near abroad is gone, etc. The Soviet Union has been split like, this is just blather, just blather, right? Like, what are you talking about? We are specifically talking about the Russia's invading Ukraine. And now, what are you, like some psychoanalyst that's now talking to us about what's happening in Vladimir Putin's head when he's laying on the sofa for his therapy session? Um, but think about what he has. He has eight time zones, a burning tundra that will not freeze again naturally situation where he has a lot of oil and gas, but he is trying to find his place in the world between China and the West. And so I'm not so sure that he has uh, David, I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. My God. My God. The pauses, his verbal pauses are so long, you think maybe, maybe your audio player breaks, 
it is broken that the playback somehow is not working properly. It's just unbelievable. Incredible. Incredible. So that was the Ukraine issue. That's why everybody's like freaking out about what he said about the Ukraine thing, because how, I mean, like I said, he he essentially gave a green light to Putin to say, yeah, if you're going to do a small incursion, then, you know, what, what are we really going to do about it? Nothing, nothing. Then there was the uh, voting rights issue. People brought up voting rights. And then this whole, this is a manufactured, a manufactured drama that the Democrats are pushing, much like back in the day when they were pushing the war on women. When Mitt Romney, if everybody remembers, Mitt Romney was running against uh, Barack Obama and George Stephanopoulos asked him out, out of nowhere whether he would uh, outlaw birth control for women. And Romney looks at him like, what are you talking about? Like, who's even talking about that? And that was the seed planted to grow the tree that was the war on women. And it actually was pretty effective. There were a lot of women <clears throat> My mother-in-law at the time was one of them who bought into the narrative of the war on women. I remember speaking to my mother-in-law about it and saying, why is it that you don't support Mitt Romney? Like, what is it about him? Not that Mitt Romney was like the greatest, most charismatic guy ever, because he's not. I think actually he's sort of a tool, but he seemed like a nice enough guy. And she said to me, because of the war on women. So there is a certain subset of the electorate out there that is going to believe this stuff. And there's certain subset is going to believe this election crap. Like how many people do you know who have wanted to vote that haven't been able to vote for whatever reason? I don't know of anyone. I've never seen anybody at any polling place ever have an issue voting. If there were tons of issues every time we had an election, you can bet that there would be video of it everywhere, but you don't see any of it anywhere ever. Why? Because it's not happening. It's not happening, yet they're pushing this narrative anyway. They're pushing this narrative anyway. So when asked about it yesterday, he gets really testy with the reporter who's asking the question, because last week, if you remember, he compared to people, he compared the people who were not supporting this to standing on the side of Bull Connor, standing on the side of Jefferson Davis, standing on the side with all of those people. And then when this reporter calls him out on it yesterday, he freaks out and says, no, I didn't say that. Go read what I read. Right. So that was another cleanup on aisle Biden from yesterday. You have Ukraine, you have this cleanup on aisle Biden. So today, I guess nobody gets the memo to Kamala, to Willie Brown's girlfriend. Nobody lets her know how they're going to deal with this. So she goes on the Today Show and makes a complete ass of herself with Savannah Guthrie. Let's take a listen to that. Let's talk about another comment the president made. He openly cast doubt on whether the 2022 midterm elections would be legitimate. He said it all depends, um, which is astonishing to hear a president question whether our elections will be legitimate. We've heard it before, but not from this president. Is he really concerned that, that we may not have fair and free elections? The so that's a pretty straightforward question, not, not, to, not to cut... Willie Brown's girlfriend off here, but that's a straightforward question, right? Is he concerned that we're not going to have fair and free elections? Now, to be clear, right, the, the stuff that they're trying to put forth in the Senate, it's essentially trying to prevent the Democrats from cheating. <laughs> that's really all, all it is. But the question is straightforward. Is that what he's concerned about? Listen to this rambling, just pathetic answer that doesn't even get there. The president has been consistent 
on this issue and the issue at hand, the issue I was there last night uh, in the chamber of the Senate, and the issue is that there are two bills, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, that have been the, the solution that has been offered to address the fact that around our country, states have put in place laws that are purposely making it more difficult for the American people to vote. Laws which will be felt by at least 55 million Americans, regardless of their party affiliation, their race, their gender, or their geographic location. Okay, so she's blathering on, right? Blathering on. So now Savannah Guthrie needs to come in to say, okay, honey, you're not answering the question. Let's focus. Let's get back here, Willie Brown's girlfriend. Let's focus on what the question was. Point, though, and so those we bills have been were clear, debated. And it's, but it's, yeah, the, the, the bills it's, were debated it's, it's, and they didn't may, pass. If so I may the, finish, the specific, if I may, if I may finish. There's Kamala with her classic, if I may finish, if I may finish, if I may finish. And you can tell, right? She has been media trained out the yin yang. So now the entire demeanor that she has when she goes in front of the media is different than it used to be. Now she's so busy thinking about what it is she's saying that her delivery is flat. There's no affect. And she just rambles. She doesn't say anything. It's like, answer the question. The specific question, if you don't mind, does he think now that these bills haven't been passed, that the 22 midterms won't be legitimate or fair? Simple, right? If these bills aren't passed, will the midterms not be legitimate and fair? Simple question. Here's the answer. Let's not conflate issues. So what we are looking... See, Savannah, you're too stupid to understand. So let's not conflate the issues. Let's watch me blather. And, and, and the topic of so much debate last night was that we as America cannot afford to allow this blatant erosion of our democracy, and in particular, the right of all Americans who are eligible to vote to have access to the ballot unfettered. What are you talking about? Again, I ask you, how many people do you know or have you seen in your lifetime every time you go to the polls who can't vote? How many? That is the topic of the conversation. And let's not be distracted by the political gamesmanship. Political gamesmanship is all this is. This whole thing is a sideshow. This whole thing is to try to paint Republicans as either A, having stolen the election, or B, being a bunch of racists. And you're going to do both of those things anyway. When what is truly at stake are, are, are issues like whether Americans with disability have the opportunity to vote by mail, whether a single parent has the opportunity with three kids in the back seat to vote by dropping off their ballot in a drop box instead of having to stand in line with those three kids for hours. These are the issues that are at stake. Okay, for the record, it's voting day. It's once every four years to vote for president. It's voting day. Right. It should be voting day. It shouldn't be voting week. It shouldn't be voting month. It should be voting day. You have four years to get your schedule together so you don't have those three kids with you so you can go vote. You only have four years to figure it out. If you can't figure that out in four years, I don't want you voting. I don't want you voting. But it's voting day. Right. And now we're going to play the card of, oh, boy, no people who with disabilities can't vote. There are people that walk miles to go and vote in other countries. We've made it so easy here and it's so ridiculous. Voting is something that this, the people in this country don't take as seriously as they should or recognize what an absolute privilege it is to do it. And to have this con artist clown 
Willie Brown's girlfriend out here spewing this nonsense is insulting. Let's listen to the rest of the bite. And the president laid a lot of and, and, yeah. and pivotal issues in terms of our democracy. We had an extensive conversation about foreign policy, Savannah. Yeah. Uh, the, well, I've met with I've met with prime ministers and presidents from around the globe, both partners and allies of ours. They are asking, "What is going on with voting rights in America?" Right. I'm sure that everybody around the country who you meet, or around the world who you meet with in your capacity, is asking, "What's going on with voting in America?" I'm sure that's the first thing they want to ask you. That, that's what they want to talk to you about, right? Nothing related to their country or how they're going to get more financial aid or whatever the discussion may be. They want to know about voting rights in America. This woman is a disgrace and a joke. Because they look to us as a role model of what it means to be a democracy. And they are monitoring to wonder and question whether there is an erosion of our democracy and therefore an erosion of one of the best role models of what a democracy does and can do. You stupid, ignorant, son of a bitch, dumb bastard. Jesus Christ, I've met some dumb bastards in my time, but you outdo them all. <laughs> oh, she's a disgrace, a disgrace. And for her to be pawning off this story that all of these people around the world are, are coming to talk to her about voting rights in America, like, are you... Are you serious? This is, you see this on, uh, on social media sometimes. This and Jen Psaki, they are the two people that you, they're talking to you and you're like, this is the person in high school who didn't read the book who's now giving the book report. They have no idea what they're talking about. There's lots of words just coming out of their mouth. Word salad, blather, and it means nothing. It's all meaningless. Meaningless. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. that's the Biden administration that's about how clear they are with anything they talk about so finishing up with the press conference because it was I mean it was two hours and if you didn't watch it you don't have to go watch it you'll see the clips you need to see on TV you'll see them on social media it's not worth your time uh, there was one point where he, he said he wanted to do push-ups. That seemed to be a thing with him. Like, it's all about push-ups. Anytime somebody says something that he feels somehow, I don't know, like less of a man or something, like he stands to the side of the podium and talks about doing push-ups. But he was very proud of himself. I did notice he mentioned four to probably four or five times that he had been up there for so long that he was like really crushing it in terms of, you know, I've been up here almost two hours. <laughs> Oh, it's unbelievable. But yeah, it was, it was bad. Don't, uh, don't, um, don't waste any time going back and, uh, listening to it. We choose truth over facts. <laughs> okay. So moving on, let's talk about Biden has been in office for a year. Yes, he has. Yes. A year. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. So let's talk about what he's accomplished in his 12 years, that this drooling fool, let's see, what, has he, what has he done? Let's see. Domestic policy. Let's talk about domestic policy quick. So COVID, would, did, would we say that COVID is a big success story or do we think that it's less of a success story? Hmm. I'll leave that one to you. Let's see. More people are dead under his watch than under 
Trump's watch, right? That was a big thing going into the election where they kept talking about the fact that, you know, how could you, how could anybody who could be president have let this many people die from the virus? Meanwhile, we now have more people dead under his watch than we had under Trump's. Good. That's excellent. Public health agencies have failed across the board across the board. So if we just step back, right, and just in the abstract, think to ourselves, what does public health mean exactly? What does that mean? To me, in my mind, when I think about public health, I think about there are these organizations that are supposed to help the public at large live a healthier lifestyle, right? Isn't that pretty much what it would mean in your head? So we have more people dead in this past year under President Biden than we did the year before. Nobody has talked about any sort of early treatment interventions. Nobody has talked about how potentially we could protect ourselves, improve our immune systems, do anything that we might do to counter COVID. Wouldn't you classify the public health organizations as having failed? I mean, Fauci has been in his job almost, I think, almost 50 years, 48 years, 49 years, whatever it might be. He's been in his job almost 50 years. If you look at public health generally across the board, during his tenure, from when he started to now, I would say that obesity is off the charts. Generally, probably heart disease is off the charts. And we have, these are like preventable diseases, right? These are preventable diseases. Heart disease, largely speaking, is preventable. It's a lifestyle disease. It's what you eat, how you live, how much exercise you do. Obesity, same thing. Are, of course, there going to be some outliers? Of course, right? Of course. But for the most part, these things are controlled by how we live our lives. 80%, 80% of how healthy we are is within our own hands, right? Aside from genetics and other things that we might have to deal with, 80% of how we live and how healthy we are is directly attributable to how we live our lives. So I would argue in those 50 years that Fauci has been in the NIAID and part of the NIH, that the American people are fatter, sicker, weaker, both physically and mentally, he is a colossal failure across the board. A colossal failure across the board. Not to mention the fact that the damage that he and Rochelle Lewinsky have done to the three-letter agencies, NIH, CDC, these, these, these are a laughing stock now. I mean, you listen to some podcast, even with doctors who don't buy into the narrative of COVID, the COVID narrative, they are recommending to people who they know if they get COVID, do everything you can do before you have to go to the hospital. Do not go to the hospital. I mean, think about that. You have doctors recommending that sick people don't go to the hospital. And the reason they say don't go to the hospital is because the treatment protocols that the hospitals have are dictated by the NIH. So any treatment that you could get outside of the hospital, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, things that have worked the world over, you can't get once you're in the hospital. There are court cases all over the country where people are in the hospital and the families are taking the hospitals to court to get their loved ones ivermectin in the hospital. Something is very wrong with that. And that goes right to the top. Tony Fauci, all that money that he distributes to a lot of those doctors and a lot of those hospitals through CMS. What's amazing about this entire pandemic is that all of this stuff regarding how the money flows and the NIH and the NAIAD and how, how their dictates impact what the hospitals do and how they put together the treatment protocols in the hospital, and it all comes top down. The doctors no longer, unless they're brave or, or they're uh, not affiliated directly with these hospitals, doctors no longer doctor. They no longer tinker, 
right? So when they have drugs that are off of patent, like ivermectin, like hydroxychloroquine, like other stuff that is no longer under patent, that's not going to make the drug companies a lot of money. They can use these drugs in, w- in whatever uh, way they see fit if they have a sick patient. But only under COVID did people start saying, do not use hydroxychloroquine, do not use ivermectin. So it's been really interesting that nobody knew any of this before, and now it has all been laid, exposed in front of us because it's a festering mess created by the likes of Tony Fauci. It's unbelievable. They're, and these, these, these organizations are completely captured by Big Pharma. Completely captured by Big Pharma. I heard a doctor say it uh, the other day that, um, that uh, some states, you have, you have narco states, right? That are, you know, whether it be down in South America, whatever, uh, you know, Colombia or all these places that are, that are run by essentially narco states that where the people who run the drugs are in charge. And he said that here in the United States, we are now a pharma state that the large pharmaceutical companies have these, have these organizations, the NIH, the NIID, the CDC, and they're captured. They're captured. And the fact that NIH holds the patent with Moderna on the vaccine is twisted to me. Like that is bizarro world. How could that possibly be the case? Anyway, I'm getting on a, on a, on a side tangent there. <laughs> We're talking about how Joe's first year went. Uh, let's see, the, re- the rest, uh, the, um, let's see, inflation highest in 40 years. The poorer are definitely poorer and the rich are way richer thanks to COVID, right? You'd have to say that the rich have like, I mean, I don't even know how many more new billionaires there are, but quite a few, quite a few. Um, what else do we have? Energy prices are through the roof. Prices for clothing, cars, trucks, building material. Uh, he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. They shut down other energy initiatives that are resulting in us. We were totally energy independent. We were an, we were an, an uh, energy exporter before this idiot came into, into office. Where are we now? We have extreme backlogs at the ports. Bare shelves Biden is now a thing because he's just really not good at this job. He's really pretty awful at it. He single-handedly helped create a hit song, Let's Go Brandon, because he's completely feckless. That's domestic policy. How about foreign policy? Afghanistan? <laughs> I don't even know that we need to like discuss it any further. You just say the word Afghanistan, total disaster, embarrassed on the world stage. We spent 20 years, gobs of money, our sons and daughters being blown up 20 years. And we gave the place back to the people that we took it away from when we went there. That is an unbelievable embarrassment, an unbelievable embarrassment. Uh, Russia. Russia's, you know, on the world stage, looking ready to take over the Ukraine. And now Putin knows, based on yesterday's press conference, that he's got, got the green light. China. China gave us this virus. China's been a thorn on our side for how long? Even last week, they were talking about, you know, everybody has to wear an N95 mask now. And they were saying how they're going to do it on the House floor. And they hand out masks on the House floor that say made in China on the side of the mask. I mean, this, this is like insult to injury. Can we just, can we start manufacturing something maybe in the United States again? Can we maybe try to do that? I know Trump had some initiatives to try to do that, and Biden apparently doesn't care because he's in China's pocket, but can, can we try to get that, that done? Can we not wear made-in-China masks in the, house, in the houses of Congress? How about immigration? Borders wide open. Highest illegal immigration in decades, probably my whole lifetime. Um, no standard for all those people coming across the uh, border for COVID. 
all those people coming across the border, they just put them on planes and drop them somewhere in the middle of the country in the middle of the night. They stopped construction on the wall. They canceled all the contracts. They got rid of the stay in Mexico policy. I mean, just on and on and on and on failure after failure after failure. And this is stuff that I jotted down just off the top of my head. And then you, you like go around and look at some of the, you know, lefty websites, like in there talking about human rights and how they added a third gender to passports. That's one of the things that Biden can stand up and pat himself on the back. I added a third gender to passports. Really important. Really important. And he rejoined the UN Human Rights Council. Great. That's awesome. They also created the uh, Gender Policy Council at the White House. <laughs> like this stuff, it, this is like just like Obama. It, they do all this stuff and it is meaningless. Meaningless. Like everything that Kamala Harris says, it's meaningless blather. Blather. All right, let's let's um, let's move on from Joe Biden. Let's quickly talk about the uh, World Economic Forum and these creeps that are meeting over in Davos. Because I want you to hear this one clip. Uh, actually, the uh, I don't know how you say his name, Stefan Bansell. He's the CEO of Moderna. He's actually over at this meeting in Davos. And you think to yourself, like, well, why would the head of a pharmaceutical company be over in Davos? It's because he plans to inject you for years to come. And the, all of these people plan to inject you for years to come. So during one of the, uh, one of the sessions it's called COVID-19, what's next? This gentleman was in it, Stephen Banchon, the CEO of Moderna. And he was in there with Anthony Fauci and some other clown. But I want you to hear this one clip of what he says about the vaccines. Take a listen. What we are first very happy is that with such a, a change with Omicron and a variant like Omicron, that the vaccines are holding very well. And uh, the third dose are proven to be very important. What we're doing right now is to prepare for what should the vaccine be uh, in the fall of 2022. What should the vaccine be in the fall of 2022? So he's already planning for this coming fall. What are these vaccines going to contain? And what should it contain? Uh, and our experts are working with public health experts like Dr. Fauci's team to figure this out. Our experts are working with public health experts like Dr. Fauci's team. Folks, these people are creeps. These are just weirdos. Because soon we're going to have to decide what goes into the vaccine for fall of 22. The other piece we are doing, of course, is around manufacturing capacity. Uh, you know, in 2021, we shipped 807 million doses. We're very proud that around 25% went to middle-income and low-income countries, and we're continuing to ramp up. We have a lot of capacity coming online in, in Q1 this quarter with a goal to be able to make two to three billion doses for this year. The, I, I like listen to this and I I'm, have the texture in front of me and I read it and I almost can't believe what I'm reading. I almost can't believe what I'm reading. In 2021, we shipped 807 million doses, he says. We're very proud that around 25% went to middle and low income countries. And now they're ramping up production, he says, to make two to three billion doses for this year. Two to three billion doses. Where do you think his head is? His head is with Fauci to continue to ride this gravy train to billions into his pocket while sticking needles in everybody's arms. Whether you need it or not, they're going to tell you you need it. Uh, and the other piece we're working on is for 2023 is how do we 
make it possible from a societal standpoint that people want to be vaccinated. Think about what he is saying. The other piece we're working on for 2023 is how do we make it from a societal standpoint that people want to be vaccinated? And we're trying to do this by preparing combinations. You know, we're working on the flu vaccine, we're working on the RSV vaccine, and our goal is to be able to have a single annual booster so that we don't have compliance issues where people don't want to get two to three shots a winter, but they get one dose where they get you know, a booster for corona and a booster for flu and RSV to make sure that people get their vaccine. Folks, this is insane, right? So here we are. Let's just pause for a second. Let's just pause, right? We are in, it's the middle of January, January 20th, 2022, right? This whole thing started two years ago, little, no, almost two years ago, right? Before this whole thing started, was there a constant, constant narrative? What shot are you getting next? What shot's next? What are you going to get next? No, there wasn't. How did we end up here and how do we get away from these creepy people? Did you hear what he said? How do we get away from these creepy people? He says here, we're going to do a lot by preparing combinations. We're working on the flu vaccine. We're working on the RSV vaccine. And our goal is to be able to have a single annual booster. So we don't have compliance issues where people don't want to get two or three shots per winter, but they only get one dose. What do you like are, what are you like? Some sort of a Frankenstein freak? Again, two years ago, none of this was ever an issue. Their flu shot was there. If you wanted to get it, you got it. If not, you didn't. And they're pushing like crazy with these friggin' shots. And I go to VAERS today. I go to VAERS. What does it say? Open VAERS. 21,745 dead from the shots. Directly, directly related to the shots. 21,745. Now, in the past, if 50 people died with a vaccine, 50 they stopped giving the shot, put a black box warning on it, and said, whoa, we need to see what's going on here. We're up to 21,745 that had been reported. 115,000 hospitalizations, 112,000 urgent care visits, 161,000 doctor office visits, 8,800 cases of anaphylaxis, 12,951 cases of Bell's palsy, 11,000 heart attacks, 25,000 cases of myocarditis. 5,000 cases of thrombocytopenia and low platelets, 24,791 life-threatening events, 37,466 allergic, severe allergic reactions. Folks, the numbers are off the charts for the negative stuff that's going on with this vaccine. It has to make you wonder, is this why Boris Johnson just yanked everything? Is this why, like, did, what, what data is going around the world to cause these people to suddenly totally reverse course, 180 degrees in the other direction? England ends, this was as of yesterday, England ends all COVID passports, mass mandates, and work restrictions. Just done. Done. Finished. And then there's a woman, Wendy Rogers, Republican. Uh, she introduced a bill in Arizona aimed at holding employers liable for any health, any health complications associated with any required medical products or procedures. This is what we talked about on Tuesday, where I said, what is the social contract? If I get this shot, if you as my employer are requiring that I get this shot, I am going to need you to give me a physical. I'm going to need an MD to sign off on that physical to say, what is my current physical state? Then if you're going to mandate that I get this shot to keep my job, if something happens to me, it's on you. 
So she introduced a bill to do just that. That's outstanding. Outstanding. Finally, a little bit of pushback. But it's going to be interesting to see because there's other countries around the world that are now dropping their COVID restrictions. What is going on? Something, something very strange is happening. Something very strange is happening. Uh, what else do we have? What else do we have? Uh, I think, oh boy, I'm already 35 minutes. Oh, I'm at 35 minutes. Okay, so let's wrap it up here. Let's do the, oh, that's the wrong button. <laughs> Woke word of the day. Oh boy. Hi, this is Chad. Your beta male here at the Ritz Report. Today's woke word of the day is dog whistle. Dog whistle. Hi, Rob Chad. Uh, dog whistle. Dog whistle is defined as a top secret racism signal that signals all the racists to do the racism. <laughs> Thousands of racists are standing by waiting to hear the dog whistle before they activate. <laughs> Ah, this is your woke word of the day. <laughs> and of course, last but not least. Hero of the stupid. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> you know how we talk about it. Are we the people? Folks. We can provide paid sick leave for all workers, so workers don't have to leave work to uh, to get uh, uh, to be fired in order uh, when they get sick to be able to continue to live. Um, you know, there's a uh, during World War II, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different than a <laughs> than the, the it's called he called it the you know the World War II. He had the war the, the war production board. You are literally too stupid to insult. <laughs> and that is going to do it for me, folks. Thanks for joining me today on the Ritz Report. Thank you for joining me. Please send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com. And please share this podcast with somebody that you know. The informed, the uninformed, the people who don't care to be informed, whatever you want to do. Just use that little share button on your phone and send it off to a friend and say, hey, check this guy out. And if you wouldn't mind, give me a uh, review on whatever platform you're using to download this podcast, iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever it is, I'm on all of them. Uh, so give me a review. It certainly helps out. And if you share it with uh, people, it certainly helps the show grow and, and gives me a little motivation to keep on going. Cause you know, sitting here and wondering sometimes like, hello, <laughs> is anyone out there? <laughs> so please do that. And I will see you again next time, next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm wherever you are. Help me up here in the Northeast. It's chilly, but stay warm wherever you are. And I will see you next week. And obviously until next time, let's go, Brendan. Brendan.